chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. That's what the Bible says. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? And they were using this question as a trap in order to have a best
which just means faith. Uh, do I shout? But then I'm in town today. I realize if I'm going to shout, we have a thing called mob justice. I don't know if I can leave it with myself to see these guys beaten up, which is probably a better outcome. But often, people can get killed from a mob justice. So I'm like, I don't know if I can live with that, you know? So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to shout, but at the same time, I'm not letting go of my bags. I need to go after them. So I ran out, and uh, I shouted just like loud enough for them to hear, but not for people around to hear. And what I said to them, my guy, move fast, which meant you guys are going to die, you know? So they're like, what? And then they drop the bags and start to run. Thank God they dropped those bags. So I go pick my bags up. Meanwhile, I look behind me and I see a group of people running towards me. Now, from their perspective, they're actually chasing me. And you know why they're chasing me? My wife gave me the shoes that I just ran out of dub with. So they're thinking this guy is stealing our shoes. So now they're chasing me. <laughs> they're chasing me. And I'm like, what's going on? Meanwhile, I'm celebrating in my mind, thinking like, hey, what a clever man that I am. That uh, I just said to the guys, Mufa, and they drop these bags and nobody's hurt. But looking at this issue from the, the thief's perspective, they're seeing a group of people running towards them. And some guy is saying, you're going to get killed today. You know what I mean? All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, right? <laughs> yeah. Woo. But I just think in that story this week, just because, you know, reading this passage, you see mob justice, you know, happening. Where these, you know, um, you know, teachers of the law and the Pharisees come to Jesus, you know, with this woman. And uh, they're saying, by the way, we have caught this woman in the act of adultery. So there's like a mob justice, of course, with a twist, because what they want to do is that they want to condemn this woman. At the same time, they want to condemn Jesus. Because if you're reading this story, you realize if you go back to chapter 7 of John, you realize that actually the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had qualms with Jesus. They had issues with Jesus. They are like, no, this guy, who is he? And they were looking to find fault with him. And they were looking for ways that they can come and attack him. And this one day they thought, uh-huh, we've got our opportunity now to go to Jesus. So they bring this woman who they claim they caught in the act of adultery. So they say, by the way, we just want to tell you what the law says. In case you don't know what the law says, the law says we should stone such women. So what do you say? And, you know, John actually brings us in into what's really going on. Because John is like, actually, they asked him this so that they could trap him. You know, they could find fault with his answer. Because if he's going to say stone him, Jesus is in trouble. Stone her, rather, Jesus is in trouble. If, they, if Jesus will say, no, don't do anything, then Jesus is actually in trouble. And when you're reading this, you're finding like a couple things that are a bit unsettling, that are troubling on this story. First of all, you know, these people, uh, they're saying they found this woman in the act, but where is the other person? And where is the man in this? And the man is not there, right? We cannot even hear, nor where the man is. But also the scriptures that they are quoting actually says 
it mentions the couple, not just one party that should be stoned. We can have another chat about it, if that's right or not. But we know with Jesus, there's no condemnation. Amen. When you read a story like this, what are you seeing and what are you feeling? What is it that you're feeling? You're seeing these people bringing this woman, throwing her in the middle. What, what are you feeling? What are you feeling? Now, for some of you, maybe are disgusted by the behavior of these men. They're just like, how dare they? Where's the other party? Where's the other person? Why are they just condemning one person? Why not bring both? Or maybe some of you are just considering of how powerless this woman is, you know, in this story. She's just so powerless. And in fact, if you're going to look into that context, women were almost considered as just property, but not as people that have been created in the image of God. You're just thinking of that, that thought. Or maybe some of you are wondering at the humiliation that this woman is going through. You're just imagining the kind of humiliation that she's facing right now. For some of you, maybe it's not even an imagination. Maybe you know what it feels like to get caught. Some of you maybe know what it feels like to be humiliated. Or maybe you might not really get caught, but maybe some of you understand the reality of getting caught up in something. Where you're caught up in something. Something that you're not proud of. Something that you're not happy about. That's happening in your life. And some of you maybe might be going through a mess right now of your own. A mess that you have created because you pursued some bad choices. Maybe you should have waited, but you didn't. And now the mess has showed up in your life. Maybe you should have come clean and said the truth, but you didn't because you wanted to protect your own image. Now you're in a mess. Maybe you should have been honest. Maybe you should have said no, but you didn't. And now you are in a mess. Maybe you should have followed your gut, but you didn't because you went with everything else that was popular around you. And now you're in a mess. We can sometimes find ourselves in all kinds of messes in our lives. But the good news is that Jesus loves to show up in the mess if you let him. Jesus loves to show up in the mess if you let him, if you let him. And when you look at this story, it kind of like exposes the reality that when we look at ourselves through the eyes of our mercy and uh, of our mess and see that, hey, I don't think I'm deserving to receive God's grace. Or when you look at other people's stories and see their sins, see their mistakes, see, see the mistakes that they have made in their lives and look at them and you're like, you know what? They don't deserve God's grace. What you're doing actually in that moment is that you're condemning that person. And that's what we are seeing in this story. There's a lot of condemnation happening in this story. Now, I just talk a little bit about condemnation. Condemnation is treating someone as though they are undeserving of God's grace or they are undeserving to receive God's grace. Uh, there's a scripture, Hebrews 12, verse 15, which challenges me. It says, Make sure or see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. And that's speaking to you. That's speaking to me. And I'm like, why is the responsibility of seeing that nobody falls short of the grace of God on me? Why not that on God? What about me? Why am I in charge of making sure that nobody, and when the scripture says nobody, it means nobody, literally nobody, that no one 
falls short of the grace of God. And what that scripture says, actually, or what it means is that make sure that you do not treat anybody else in your life as if they aren't deserving to receive God's grace. That's what it is. Make sure that you do not treat anybody else as if they aren't deserving to receive God's grace. Because when you do, then that's, you're condemning them. Condemnation is treating someone as though the only thing they deserve is punishment. And not only that, but they deserve harsh punishment. And that's what we see in this story. Condemnation is saying to someone else, you are not one of us. You deserve to be on the outside. You are rejected in here. You're not allowed to come and be a part of us. Condemnation, what happens is that it actually separates. It separates. You know, condemnation separates, but grace connects. Condemnation pushes people away, but grace pulls them in. Condemnation says, no, you deserve to be on the outside, but grace says, no, come on in. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. Now, I just wanted to mention uh, probably three dangers. If we're going to live a life of just being judgmental and condemning other people, what are the dangers of that that actually being highlighted through this story. And I just wanted to highlight a few dangers. Uh, danger number one is that condemnation becomes a hindrance for you to give and receive grace. Condemnation becomes a hindrance for you to give and receive grace. Verse 7 to 9 says, When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. They ordered first until only Jesus was left, until the woman still standing, with the woman still standing there. What this means is that ungracious people lack the capacity to give and receive grace even for themselves. You know, often we're thinking, if I'm going to be condemning, if I'm going to condemn someone, it's going to affect them. You know, you think, like, if I'm going to be judgmental towards someone, it's going to affect only them. It won't affect me. It's going to only affect them. But actually, that's a lie. When you live a life of condemnation or maybe condemning other people, what's going to happen is that because you look at people as though they don't deserve to receive grace, you also begin to look at yourself as one who don't deserve to receive grace when you mess up. That's what's going to happen. In other words... Ungracious people lack the capacity to receive and give grace even for themselves. You know, this group of people that brought this woman, the, te the, law, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they were ungracious to this woman. Therefore, they lack the capacity to show grace to this woman. At the same time, they lack the capacity to receive grace even for themselves. They did. They cannot receive grace even for themselves because they could not imagine someone else who can show them that level of grace because they were unable to show it to someone else. They were unable to show it to someone else. Now, you see this story and you see that they are unable to receive grace not because God is ungracious to ungracious people, but because ungracious people cannot see God to be gracious at all. They, have, they don't have the ability to see God as gracious 
at all. You read this story, you see the joy of the story and the sad part of the story. The joy of this story is that this woman who has been condemned eventually receives grace, eventually is rescued, eventually receives God's forgiveness. Eventually she experiences God in the midst of all of this. That's a joy of this story. But then there is a sad part to this story. The sad part of the story is that when the people came face to face with the reality of their sin, when the people came face to face with the reality of their sin, their solution to dealing with their sin was not to go to Jesus, but was to run away from Jesus. Because in this story, what's clear is that it was not only the woman who needed to receive mercy. It was not only the, the woman or the lady who needed to, re, to be shown grace. It was not only this woman who needed to receive forgiveness. Everyone in that room, except Jesus, needed mercy, needed grace. How do we know that? We know it because when Jesus said, hey, if there is anybody here who is without sin, let them be the first one to cast a stone. And all of them left. All of them moved out. Why did they do that? Is because they came face to face with the reality of their own sin. And when you come face to face with the reality of your own sin, the best solution that you can pursue is to face Jesus rather than run away from Jesus. And we see that only one person did receive mercy and forgiveness and grace because they remained with Jesus. That woman remained with Jesus. But these guys, even though they were face to face with Jesus, they never received mercy. They never received grace. They never received forgiveness because they thought, I, my sin has been challenged and therefore I'm going to run away from Jesus. You can be face to face with Jesus. You can be in the presence of Jesus, but be unwilling to allow Jesus to deal with your sin. You can be in God's presence. You can be face to face with Christ, but not allow him to deal with your sin. Miss out on receiving grace from Jesus. And there are those of us that sometimes we look at Jesus, we see his righteousness, and we look at ourselves and we see how messed up we are. And instead of running towards Jesus to receive mercy, instead of running towards Jesus for him to fix us, we run away from Jesus. But the people who find grace are the ones who run towards Jesus even when they know they're so messed up right now. They're the ones who find mercy. They're the ones who find grace, who say, I'm going to run towards Jesus so that I can receive his mercy. Uh, this year, all of my devotions, I'm doing them just through the Gospels. And one thing that's coming up for me over and over again, more especially in the last few weeks, has been the, the truth that the way you view Jesus determines how you respond to Jesus. The way you view Jesus determines how you respond to Jesus. Or maybe even the other way around, the way you respond to Jesus reveals how you view Jesus, exposes how you see him. And we've got people here in this room, him. they never considered him to be a savior. And their response exposes it. You know, them running away from Jesus, that response tells us that they never saw Jesus as a savior. They never saw Jesus as somebody who is able to deal with sin better than they could. How you respond to Jesus will expose 
how you see him. Those of us that only see Jesus as somebody with a bunch of rules for us to follow. And when you see him just that way, it's going to be exposed in the way that you respond to him. But when you see Jesus as a friend, as someone who lays down his life for his friends or even his enemies, as somebody who gives himself up so that you can be accepted in God's presence, that's going to show how you respond to him. So how you view Jesus determines how you respond to him. So how are you responding to God? How are you responding to Jesus? How are you saying him? If you're going to live a life of condemnation, that will become a hindrance for you to receive and give grace. It's going to become a massive hindrance to you. So there's a danger there if you're going to live a life of just condemning other people. Danger number two, condemnation gives you an excuse to deal with your own mess. Condemnation gives you an excuse to deal with your own mess. Verse 9 says that this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The other ones first until one of Jesus was left with the woman standing there with him. It's very, very clear that these people had their own sins they were struggling with. These people had their own sins that they, were, they had in their own lives. Maybe similar sins to hers or maybe different ones. But it's very, very clear because that's why they're actually moving away. We know they had issues. We know they were in a mess themselves. But they just chose condemnation. Why? Because condemnation, what it does is that it removes you from the spotlight and it puts someone else in the spotlight. And that's why we actually love drama. You know, Facebook drama and all kinds of dramas. It's because now we're going to talk about them. Therefore, we're going to put them in the spotlight and everybody's going to see what's wrong with them. Everybody's going to see their mistakes, their sin. Everybody's going to see their stuff. That means it gives you an excuse to deal with your own issues. Because now you're not in the spotlight, right? You don't need to work on something. But you yourself have stuff that you need to deal with. Just because someone else is sinning differently from you doesn't mean you don't have issues that you need to deal with, that you need to bring to Jesus. So these guys, they were just judgment and condemning this woman because it removed them from the spotlight. And when they were put on the spotlight, what do they do? They run. They run. They hide. They don't want to face that. They don't want to be exposed. So they run. They're out of there. They're out of there. And that's grounded in pride. You know, pride will make you compare uh, yourself with others where you're like, I'm not as bad as them. You know, or their issues... Hey, they seem to be out there than my issues. So therefore, you don't pay attention to what's really going on in your life. But we need to be very, very careful. Because we might just be running away from facing what's really there inside of us. So there's a danger there. Danger number three, the last one. Condemnation offers no way out. But traps people in their shame and guilt. Condemnation offers no way out. But traps people in their own shame and guilt. Listen to what Jesus says to this woman. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And, and her answer was, No one, sir. And Jesus says to her, Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Now go and live your life of sin. 
We can only imagine what was going on with this woman as she was being dragged through the streets to be brought to Jesus. We can only imagine what's, what's happening, what she was thinking. Because in her day, she knew she was going to be stoned to death. Like, she's not coming out of this thing alive. That's what's happening. It's disturbing what she's going through. And these guys, the way they were dragging her, what, the words they were saying, the punishment that she was going to face, she knew there's no way out for me. I am trapped in this. I'm trapped in this shame. I'm trapped in this guilt. This will never end well for me. I'm done. And Jesus comes in and offers her a way out. Jesus comes in, offers her a way out of her shame. Offers her a way out of her sin. Offers her a way out of her guilt. Jesus is your way out of your guilt and shame. Jesus is the way out. And you know, when you look at that, you know, just gives the instruction to say, if, if there's anybody else here who is without sin, let them be the first one to stone the, this woman. We know that in that room, only one person had the right to act on that instruction. Only one person, and that person is Jesus. Jesus Christ was the only person who was without sin in that room. Who had the right to pick up a stone and actually throw it at this woman. But he never does. Praise God. Jesus never condemns her. Because he becomes a way out for her. Because we know that Jesus never runs away from your mess. He actually enters it. He never runs away from your mess. He enters your mess. Jesus never condemns those who are already condemned. He actually gives them freedom. He frees the condemned. She said to Jesus, no one, Sanjia said, neither do I condemn you. I do not condemn you. Go and live your life of sin. Go and live your life of sin. You know, she wouldn't probably have been surprised if Jesus had said, yeah, I, co I condemn you too. Me too, I'm condemning you. I shouldn't have been surprised by that because that's how the society had to react and act you know, that's how we tend to do. When somebody is down, we tend to go and step on them even more. Oh, have you heard what has happened to that person? Ooh, let me tell you. You know, we want to step on them. We want to actually push them more into the deep. But what's surprising is that when somebody is in a mess and you show them grace and love and kindness, that is shocking. That is shocking because that's not how the society responds. The society responds with condemnation, but Jesus responds with grace. So how do you, you yourself, respond to this? Number one, you go to Jesus. You might be struggling with your own condemnation. And I think for most of us, it's not maybe even the condemnation that other people bring on us. It's not coming from without. It's actually that which comes from within. Where we are living with shame and guilt. Where we ourselves, within, we know we are condemning ourselves. Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. From the law of sin and death. So there's no condemnation for you when you are in Jesus. So then you go to Jesus. Well, there's no condemnation there. Outside Jesus, there's a lot of condemnation, but not in Jesus. 
So Jesus is your way out of your guilt and shame. And when you go to Jesus, you have a choice. You have a choice to either be confronted by the truth or run away from the truth. And we know that Jesus is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. He's the life. And I hope you can make a choice to be confronted by God's truth. And that you respond to that truth. You respond to this by choosing repentance. At the end of verse 11, Jesus says, Go now and live your life of sin. You know, encountering Jesus, it doesn't have to change the way you see the world or the way you see God, but also needs to change the way you live your life. That's why Jesus says, hey, go and live your life of sin. Do not sin anymore. Jesus Christ never shows her grace so that she keeps on sinning, so that she keeps on on this life. No, 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 no. Actually, Jesus shows her grace so that she can receive the true freedom to break away from her sinful life, to break away from it. So how do we practice this for you and I to avoid being a people that we're condemning others and just being judgmental? I think first of all, when people share with us or when we expose to other people's sins, we need to be compassionate. And the first way that you can be compassionate is by mourning the sin. You mourn the sin. You mourn it. You mourn the sin. Why? Because you realize that the person in that sin, there's a lot going on in their life. They're actually facing their own hell. They're already condemning themselves. They're full of shame. They're full of guilt. So you mourn that sin because you, you, you tell them, I see you in there. But also you mourn as a way of trust. You trust that Jesus is better dealing with sin than you can. And he's able to fix them. He's able to transform them. So you trust. Because you're like, I'm unable to deal with sin. But I offer it to Jesus. Who is able to deal with sin. The second thing that we could do practically is to extend grace. To extend the same grace that we expect God to extend to us. You know, everybody else is tough. Until it is their time to receive forgiveness. Everybody else is tough until it's their time to be shown kindness. To be shown mercy. And we all need mercy. We all need grace. If you are looking for grace from God, then you can extend it to other people. If you are looking for mercy from God, then you can extend it to other people. And finally, embrace a life of grace and truth. Embrace a life of living in truth and in grace. As I'm sharing, I'm not saying that, hey, we should never ever point something that's wrong in each other's lives so we can grow. Because you can feel that way. You can feel like, hey, let's not talk about what's going on. Uh, let's not challenge each other at all. Let's not tell each other the truth. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. But you know what? Truth alone without grace can actually be mean. It can sound to be mean and pushes people away. Because all the people feel just condemnation and shame. But also just grace alone without truth, it makes you a fake friend. You know, a person who just tells other people the good things that they like to hear and just make them feel good. But you have to couple those things together where you, you embrace truth, but also at the same time you embrace grace. And there's nobody who does this better than Jesus. You know, Jesus comes, comes to you and says, you are a sinner. That's truth. But at the same time, he comes 
to you and say, I will die for you. That's grace. That's grace. Just close your eyes for a moment. I don't know where you are in your life. Some of you, as I'm sharing, maybe you're looking back and to be like, man, this week was rough for me. I did not speak to my people right. You're seeing all the sins that you have committed. Maybe you were unkind to your spouse or to your children or to your parents, to your work colleagues. Maybe you've been harsh. And all you can see or feel is guilt and shame. Jesus loves to enter your mess and he loves to enter in that space. He gives you an offer if you're willing to receive it. That you can receive mercy. That you can receive grace. That you can receive forgiveness even now. So maybe just take a moment to pray for yourself. We're just like, God, I come to you right now. God, I come to you right now. I give my life. If you have to ask for forgiveness, do it. Just come to God in prayer. There are those of us that you're here. Maybe you know that you actually don't have a relationship with Jesus. You know that I don't really have a relationship with God. And having heard of a gracious God, having heard of a God who never condemns people, you are like, I want that God in my life. I want to have a connection with that Jesus who welcomes even sinners like me. If you are here and you don't have a connection with God, I want to just pray a simple prayer where you say, Jesus, I accept into my life. Jesus, I welcome you into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Just pray that simple prayer. I welcome you into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my sin. God, I pray for your people. You know what's going on in their lives. God, the one thing that we know is that we cannot do anything to deserve your grace. We cannot do anything to deserve your mercy. All we can do is just to receive, to receive that mercy, to receive that grace. So I pray, Father, that we will receive your offer, that we will receive your grace, we will receive your mercy this morning. So we receive from you. God, I pray that you will help every single one of us to experience the freedom that Christ has given us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We stand as we worship God together. Uh, we're going to have prayer counselors around if you need prayer, either for anything that you have heard or if you have given your life to Jesus, go to any of these prayer counselors or if you need prayer for anything that you're going through in your life, feel free to go and receive